Hello and welcome to Appalachian Imagination. This podcast is dedicated to history, folklore, storytelling, and personal accounts of things from the Appalachian region. There will be some facts, some fiction, and lots of fun. So y'all settle in and let's take a ride through the hills, history, and folklore of Appalachian. this week's episode, we're going to talk about livestock, animals and their uses around the farm. We'll talk a little bit about cows and chickens, horses, mules, sheep, goats, hogs, guineas, turkeys, dogs, cats, all kinds of animals. Now, I've got a whole lot of stories on animals, and some of them, when I look back on them, they're just hilarious. I guess you can see the pictures I see in my mind, and that's where you use your imagination the good Lord was really looking out for me, and I lived through it all. So y'all hold on here, and we'll get into livestock. So, so, so cow, so, so, so cow, so, so cow. Every day you got up, and breakfast was at six a.m. It'd be eggs and sausage and bacon, big cup of milk or water or maybe a little coffee. And after you eat breakfast, you'd head off to the barn to start doing the feeding and the milking. And like the call you heard just a few, just a little bit back there, they'd start calling the cow to the barn. The cow knew what was happening. He's gonna go eat him, eat her some feed and milking would take place. Have a little galvanized bucket and a stool, get the cow in there and feed her a bite. You sit down on the stool and start squeezing and a pulling, squeezing and a pulling. Into that little galvanized bucket till you'd milked her dry. After you milked her dry, you carried the milk to the house, set it on the table, put a cloth over top of it and you could strain it out in a minute. And while one was doing the milking, kids would be gathering eggs, the others would be feeding the livestock, the horses, the mules, the chickens, sheep, goats, hogs, whatever they had around. Right after you eat, it was feeding time for everything else. No exceptions. No days off. It happened every day of the year. Feeding time, taking care of the livestock on the farm. It was a little work, but it was really rewarding. Being self-sufficient and doing things for yourself. Using the animals for what they were designed for. The first animal we're going to get into today is probably cows today. Milking and the uses of a good old cow. Cows. The most used breeds for milking around where I grew up was a, a Jersey brown Swiss, and every now and then a Holstein. Holstein didn't give off as much cream, so they preferred the Jersey or the brown Swiss. And most of the meat cows where I grew up were either for beef with Charlay, Angus, or a Hereford. And milking, like I mentioned there a minute ago, take a galvanized bucket and your little stool, and you sit down on that stool, Grab her by the teats and squeeze and pull. Squeeze and pull, you got it all. Take it to the house, strain it, and save the cream for butter. 
Making butter, they'd have a big stoneware crock of an outfit with a hole in the center of the lid. It had a wooden dowel with, that stuck up through it with an X on the bottom and up and down, up and down, they'd churn that butter. And if you've never had homemade butter from a Jersey cow, you've never truly had butter. That stuff was delicious. I can remember so many times, probably one of my favorite meals I've ever ate in my life would, after I'd finished my breakfast, I'd get me a couple more biscuits and pour some molasses out on a little saucer, put some of that homemade Jersey butter in there and mix it all in that molasses and sop it up with a biscuit. And that stuff was so good. Couldn't sit still and eat it. And, you know, now, grandmother not being with us anymore, I'll never have it exactly like that again. And I know other people, they miss things their parents or their grandparents cooked. And the memories are still great. And for meat cows, we were sharecroppers and grew up on a, it's a pretty good sized farm. And along with tending a tobacco patch, we looked after the cows. And what was mostly on the farm were Charlie's, big white muscular cows. And I guess they sold good for beef, but you've heard the nursery rhyme. He did a little, the cat and the fiddle, the cow jumped over the moon. Well, the cow that jumped over the moon had to be a Charlie. You couldn't keep them in. The only way they stayed in the fence is if they wanted to be there. It wasn't by your choosing, I guarantee you. Me and my dad went out one time and worked all day on a section of fence, and it probably wasn't, I'd say it wasn't even 75 feet, the length of fence that's coming from the gate where you pulled into the driveway up to the corner in a tree line. Five strands, brand new bob war. We pulled it extra tight. We're trying to keep them cows from getting out. Tight as we could and the fence looked great. Lo and behold, I think maybe the next day, but if it wasn't the next day, it was within just the week Two of them big, beautiful Charley heifers got out. And I've, I've run a lot of miles chasing cows, trying to get them back in the field. And if you ever had an old raggedy fence and cows, you've probably done the same. And it is no fun. You'll run your guts out. But got after the cows and run them, got them back in and where did they jump over at? The brand new big five strand bob wire fence that we'd fixed just a few days before. I was mad as a hornet. But eventually we did get the cows back in and got them all calmed down and they stayed home for a little while. The Jersey cow. Jerseys give are excellent milk cows, and they're usually a pretty docile cow that's easy to milk. But that just ain't much to look at. Little old Jersey cow, kind of light brown color, maybe have some dark points around their eyes or nose, or maybe down on their hocks or around their feet. 
and they had hip bones that stuck out. Seemed like all the time. I've never seen a real fat Jersey cow with where her hip bones didn't stick up some. And often you look at an animal and wonder why it was built that way. And I think I finally figured it out. I believe the good Lord designed the jersey that way with them hip bones that stuck up. That way you'd have a place to hang your hat when you bent your head over under there milking the cow. It was one morning or a cool evening, I can't recall which, but me and Granny had made way out to the barn by herself and she was pretty much just ignoring what I was doing and taking care of business at the barn. She called her old cow up and poured its feed in the pan in the stall where she milked at. And she was getting ready to milk. She didn't know anybody was anywhere around. An old barn, you could see through the cracks and I could see what Granny is doing and I was too small to ever milk, so I kind of wanted to watch the show, you know, nosy youngin. Granny, she got her little stool and sat down, the old cow chomping on feed. Got her bucket and slid up under the cow. She started a milking. She probably hadn't give two or three good pulls, and that cow kicked the stool out from under Granny. She hit the ground on her back and kind of rolled. She said, you son of a... Well, after she rolled around there and done her a little bit of cussing, which wasn't common, being that she is a Baptist preacher's wife, but it goes to show you nobody's perfect. That cow had her pretty bad. But she finally wallowed around and got up and set her little stool back down. <laughs> Picked her bucket back up and she went on to milking. She finally got the old cow milk, but me being a kid, I'd never heard Granny say an ugly word at all. That was the funniest thing to me. Which I'm sure it wasn't funny to her <laughs> getting the stool knocked out of her, but she didn't know anybody was around anywhere. And I kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to get in trouble, but man, that was a funny sight, peeping, peeping through that crack, watching Granny <laughs> get that stool kicked out from under Oh, <laughs> so funny. So, the uses for a cow on the farm, you got milk, you got butter, you make cheese, meat, you know, beef, and the hide. The hides, they be tanned out for leather to make saddles, shoes, and bridles, and belts, and any kind of leather products that can be made from that cow hide. So a cow was a pretty essential animal growing up on the farm. All kinds of uses and all kinds of stories from a cow alone. And I didn't get into all the breeds. I just kind of went over what was common around our parts. So if you want to find out different cows or different breeds, do some research on it. Look them up. Next, we'll move on to chickens. There's a question that's been around for probably hundreds of years. If you paid attention to the beginning of this episode, you've got the answer. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, the egg did because you had to eat before you went and done the feeding. Chickens, I've still got chickens today 
we ain't living on a farm, but we got a big backyard and we got some big, beautiful Brahma hens and some Dahmer hens and a Dahmer rooster and a big Brahma rooster. A little banny rooster running around just cause he's nice to look at. He's a little cocky, but we keep him around. He don't hurt nothing. Biggins, they'll run him off. He tries to get with the hen, so we ain't had to worry about that. But chickens, you know, they lay eggs. The ones we got, they lay the big brown eggs, and that's what I like best. There's, it feeds all natural. I know where the eggs come from. They're clean, they're good, they're healthy, and eggs are delicious. And besides eggs, you know, you could eat the chickens. Chicken and dumplings, fried chicken, chicken soup if you're sick. Chicken is good stuff. A lot of the, we had some relatives that lived in Ohio. And you could tell when they come in because the only people that would chase the chickens would be the kids that lived, that come down from Ohio. Said, yeah, out of towners. And I can't remember who I done it to, but I was, I was a mean young and loved to pull a prank. And can't say that I've fully grown out of it yet, but a kid come around that wasn't used to a farm and they see the baby chickens. They just ain't nothing cuter than a little baby chicken running around. Look like little cotton balls with feet or something. You just know they're soft. Everybody wants to hold one. But I, whoever it was, like I said, I can't remember. But I can remember, oh, they're so cute. Look at the little baby chickens. I said, yeah, you want one? Naturally, they said, yeah, you know, that'd fit right in your pocket if you wanted to pack him home. Be careful not mash him. I said, go catch one and you can have it. <laughs> well, old hen running around, she'll protect her babies. You know what happened. That hen eat them up. And I laughed, laughed my guts up, but they didn't get a baby chicken. That's funny. I'd, I'd still do that. I'd love to do that to a young and that's funny. <laughs> it might bruise them up a little bit, but man, it's hilarious to watch them running in terror from a hen eating them up. Next animal we'll mention, and they, were, they weren't plentiful, but there'd be a few around here and there, were sheep. Mutton, as they called it. Papa and Granny, they'd have, they'd have one or two here and there, and we had maybe a few as well. But, you know, they used him for meat. They'd kill him, and they'd hang him up, and they'd skin him out. Have mutton, lamb chops. It was, it was pretty good stuff, but if you've ever eaten mutton... It had a real thick taller on it. You know, the, the fat in the sheep is called taller or tallow. And you had to eat it while it's hot. If you let it get a little bit cold, that taller was like trying to eat a candle. That wax would stick in your mouth and you couldn't ever get rid of it. But they used the sheep for meat and their hides. They'd, 
they skin him out good and be careful not to mess the hide up. They'd hang that hide up to dry and they'd tan it out and soften it up and they'd use that for like a saddle blanket or a riding pad they'd throw across their horse or mule and ride, you know, a little protection. For the horse and rider, make the ride a little more comfortable. And that was what they used sheep for. And close to a sheep, goats, they had there's several different kinds of goats. There's boar goats and Nubians and there's pygmy goats and all kinds of goats. I don't I, I don't know enough about goats to get into the breeds, but like the Nubian goats, they'd use them for milk. And people with stomach issues, they could drink milk, a goat's milk, and it wouldn't bother them. And sometimes cow milk would. It just, you know, that little lighter on the stomach, I suppose. And something I've eaten several times and wouldn't mind to have a little more was goat meat. It was awful good. Hardly any fat in goat meat. It's a red meat. And it's just, it's flat good. I like it. And that's the use for goats. Milk and meat for goats. As I'm sure you've already picked up on, I come from a family that had and traded livestock, you know, and it, it would, didn't matter if it's a horse, cow, chicken, mule, sheep, goat, hog, whatever, they they traded livestock. <clears throat> and I was always small, light, and mom and dad went out somewhere, and dad traded for a little billy goat for me. And I don't know if, if you've never dealt with a billy goat, he is a mean outfit that is not quick to forgive at all. But I had a rope and I'd say the rope probably 20 foot long or something and a concrete block and I'd tie the little goat to the block and he could eat that circle, you know, as far as his 20 foot rope reach. Had him tied one day up above the house down below the pond bank in the flat there. And I went up there petting my little goat. I was proud to have it, you know. But me being the ornery little young and I was, I said, I'm going to ride him. I jumped on that little goat and the, the ride was on. He was bucking with everything in him trying to get me off. And I, he did. Nobody around, I wasn't hurt, and I got right back on. Climbed on the little goat, and he bucked me off again, and I'd give up on it. But he was still mad. So I went on to the house, and thinking, well, he'll forget about it, and I'll go back up there and move him after a while. I went up there and took a leash with me, I guess, had a dog collar on him that had that rope tied to and took him back down toward the house and I was going to tie him somewhere else. Well, goat took after me and it's trying to butt me. He was still mad. He hadn't forgot. So he chased me all the way around the house trying to hit me. Made the first lap and I couldn't get in front of him enough to make a turn to get on the porch and in the door. 
So we made another pass, and finally, <laughs> that second round, I did make way onto the porch and run to the house, and he was mean from that point on. He, he hated my guts. Then we got rid of my little goat <laughs> before I got hurt. <laughs> uh, that's about all I'm going to say about goats today, but that was... I was terrified. I know he is going to kill me. And I believe he had full intentions of trying, but the little billy goat. Don't make him mad. He won't forgive you. He remembers. <coughs> Another animal I want to mention just for a minute, not, not long. An animal that I never did care for, and that was a guinea. And about the only uses I've ever seen for them are hat feathers and noise. Them a, they make the most racket of anything I've ever seen in my life. Never stops, day and night. Going, tur, 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 tur. Guineas. They say, a lot of older people say, oh, they keep bugs out the garden. They kill ticks. Well, I don't like ticks either, but at least the ticks don't make no noise. So that's what you get on guineas. Hat feathers and noise. Another bird that I'll mention just briefly, and most people know about him anyway, but that's a turkey. Gobble gobble. Turkey of the big white breast and the big drumsticks. Big gobblers, he'd fan his tail out big and pretty. It was always definitely the star of the show at Christmas and Thanksgiving, especially Thanksgiving. Turkeys, we raised a few, and uh, we had some, and they got up almost grown, big enough to turn out on their own where they could pick the yard and everything. And grasshoppers was out, had a big backer patch down below the house there, and they run out toward that backer patch chasing grasshoppers. Well, if you ever seen a grasshopper, the closer you get to him, the more he'll hop. He'll just keep going. First day out for the young turkeys and after the grasshoppers, and they went a little piece, then they went a little farther, and they went a little farther. Before you knew it, Turkeys disappeared right out of sight, right down over the hill, and they were never seen again. So I don't know if they made it. I don't know if foxes and coats killed them. They died or what, but that's turkeys. Next animal I'm going to talk about is hogs. They was used for meat. Sausage, bacon, ham, pork chops, tenderloins, neck bones. All kinds of good cuts of meat on a hog. And most people enjoy it. A lot of people eat it. There's eat pork for breakfast about anywhere. You know, you run through a fast food joint, get you some sausage or bacon, ham. But back in growing up and raising hogs and stuff, it was better. Oh, it's so good. You'd have a pen built, a good strong pen, that way it wouldn't root out and get out on you. And you'd feed them table scraps and excess stuff from the garden, you know, 
like stuff you didn't eat. They'd take care of all that. Feed them corn. You'd always want to feed them corn about two weeks, just straight corn before you you killed him. They say it cleaned the taste of it up. I don't know. The females, every now and then, they'd save one or two, you know, to raise babies out of, but they'd leave, let them be. They'd dock their tails off. They'd wring their nose sometimes if it was bad for rooting, afraid they'd get out, keep them from rooting so much. And they'd castrate the little male pigs that was going to use for meat. Make a bar hog out of him is what they call it around where I live. A boar hog was still intact, but a bar hog had been neutered. That's the difference in a boar and a bar. They'd raise him up, get him up to desired weight. And usually late November, early December, you'd have a hog killing. They'd get their water boiling. And get it good and scalding hot. They'd get the water all ready, get their knives clean, get a big table fixed up to lay the meat out on later and cut it. They'd shoot the hog and cut his throat, let him bleed out. His bleed, after he bled out and it's dead and it wasn't moving or nothing anymore, then They'd take a coffee can or a pot or something. They'd pour it in scalding water over that hog on the hair. And this was a job that the kids mostly done when I was growing up. Pour it water on the hair and it'd make the hair soft. And you'd take a knife that wasn't as sharp. You'd take that big knife and start raking the hair off of him. Had to get all the hair off. Don't leave none behind. Get him good and slick. So we'd get him scraped off good and then they'd hang him up, back legs spread open, usually on a single tree or something. They'd make the cut and they'd gut him, rolling out the entrails in a big tub or something, that way they could haul him over the hill, let the dogs or varmints come around and eat them. Just the stuff they wouldn't use, they'd save the liver. And that's about all I remember them saving was the liver of the hog. Then they'd get all the entrails and stuff out of the way and had him opened up, and then they'd start quartering him. We'd cut the shoulders off and the back straps and tenderloins. The ribs, they'd lay them out to cut. And shoulders, and then you'd have the hams. Head, they'd cut it off and lay it to the side. Another big tub or something to keep it clean. They'd get him all quartered out, and then you had the backbone laying there, and they'd cut him up in sections. They'd use it, too. Get him quartered out and everything, and they'd take the hams usually to the smokehouse and the bacon, They'd cut off the skin of the outside. They'd skin the ribs and get that bacon. Cut it into chunks and they'd hang, they'd salt it, pack it down with salt real good. 
And they'd hang it up, and some of it they'd lay out on benches that they had covered in newspaper to keep it good and clean and save the salt from running through the cracks in the boards and everything. And it let him hang, and that's why they done it in no, late November and early December. The weather was good and cool. It was going to be cool for a while. And the uh, meat wasn't spoiled with the salt on it. And it let that salt get in there. It preserved the meat. Put it up and you'd have it, you know, throughout the year. Or when it cured good. And usually, they'd have enough hog meat laid back. They'd kill more than one, depending on the family size, you know. They'd slaughter them according, accordingly. <clears throat> they could have pork all year salted and sausage they'd take the meat they was going to make into sausage shoulders and just different cuts that they didn't want to fool with putting up or that they didn't want to salt they'd take old hand crank meat grinder and they'd grind that sausage up putting their spices and stuff in there some people use sage some people just use pepper and there's a couple ways you keep sausage. You know, you you put it in a tube or a sleeve and tie it off. And you put it in the freezer. They had an uncle that would can it. And when he got it all in the jars and cooked down and canned, he'd turn the jar upside down let the lard seal the lid. And another way that they could save a lot of meat, too, was smoking it. They did smoke some, but usually ours was salted or they put it in the freezer. But pork's good stuff. About anybody agree with me on that. Big pork chop for supper or ham. I love ham. I could eat ham every day, I think. I don't and shouldn't, but I could. Bacon's good. Sausage is my favorite for breakfast. Them neck bones and backbones and everything, they'd... They'd usually put them up and they'd use them to cook like in a big pot of beans or neck bones and taters. Neither one of them's really good with cornbread, by the way. Not sweet cornbread, cornbread, not cake, but pork. Something else my granny made and I never did care for it. And that boy, it just, it's rough stuff to me. Souse meat, a.k.a. hoghead cheese. And how it was made is that she'd take that head in the house and every part on it that she could cook down, it would get cooked down and made into a weird textured stuff called souse meat. Granny would be heavy on the sage in her souse meat, and I, I don't, I can eat a little bit of sage and stuff, but I'm not the biggest fan of the taste of it, but I, I'm not out buying souse meat much and not asking nobody to make it. Some people love it. Everybody has different tastes. Souse meat wasn't for me. I was probably around seven or eight year old and me and my brothers and sister and mom and dad went over to Granny's and Papa's. Mom and the little kids, they was out the house and 
Dad, I don't know where he went, but it ended up me and Papa went out to the barn. We went out there and he had a big hog pen, a big sow in there. And there was little red pigs running around everywhere. Them was just the cutest little things to me. And they are fun to look at and watch, little baby pig. But I seen all of them in there and Papa, he traded livestock, so it wasn't nothing to give away, you know, you buy it. But he wouldn't just give you one because you thought it was cute. No way. I said, give me one of them pigs, Papa. He said, I ain't giving you one of them pigs. Just kind of laughed. I said, oh, come on, Papa. I said, you got a whole bunch of them. I just want one. And... We didn't even have no hogs or pigs at the time, but man, they was pretty little red fellas running around there. He said, I ain't giving you one of them. Then he kind of wheeled and looked at me and he said, I tell you what, he said, I have got one I'll give you. I said, all right. He said, it ain't in there. He said, it's around here. So we walked out to the end of the old barn there's another pen, had two big white hogs in it. And one of them had, it had a little bit of cold or something. And he didn't want it around the rest of them hogs and them babies. And I know he said, you can have that one. And this big old hog now. Like, well, I did ask for one, so. All right, thank you. It wasn't as exciting as them little babies, but I still got me a hog. And a hog was an animal. He was strictly made for meat, and it's all good. So, you know, if you had something, that's what you used it for. You didn't get to keep everything for a pet to love on it its whole life. But we got him back to the farm where I grew up, and the only famous pig I'd ever heard of was Porky, so I named him Porky. And he was the biggest pet. He was so gentle. I'd pet love on that hog. And we just let him run loose on the farm. He run loose in the pasture field like the cows and stuff. He'd hang out there by the house. and Him and a big stump-tailed blue-tick dog we had. For whatever reason, I don't know, but... Old Porky and that dog made friends. And that, everywhere you'd see one, you'd see the other. And Hog, he got up pretty heavy and he went to sit down one day with that dog and sat down on his back leg and broke the dog's back leg. Not meaning to, but old dog, he, he still hopped around packing that back leg with that old hog all over the place. He'd get out and eat May apples. And here's a side. It's a, I wish I'd have had videos and pictures of that. But they was, that hog and that dog was the best friends. No porky, I'd pet him and love on him. And he's big and I was small. Like the little goat, I don't know. I just figured I had to ride everything, so... One day, I just bounced on the hog, old Porky. He just trotted through the yard with me. <laughs> yeah. I rode him across the yard and jumped off at the smokehouse. I, I done that once. That was funny.
and he'd follow me around, you know, and I guess want me to throw him something to eat or snack on. The little four-room house we lived in had a linoleum rug in the kitchen. We didn't have air conditioning and all that stuff. You wasn't in the house when it was warm anyway. You was outside playing or working. Mom left that kitchen door open. I rolled in the house one day and went in there and sat at the table, I guess, getting me something to eat. That hog, he rolled up on the porch and run right in the kitchen. And he hit that linoleum rug. He might as well have roller skates on. That hog got to falling. <laughs> Mom throwing a fit me to get it out of there. Finally, I, I jumped up and went over and ushered him out the door. Kept old Porky till, well, all summer, spring, summer, and I was awful fond of him, but fall rolled around and I knowed what I knowed what time it was and that was a sad moment to lose an animal for me, but I did understand. And they told me, said we're gonna have to put you we're gonna have to kill that hog to eat now, you know that. Nah, all right. Heart broke over it, you know, as a kid would be. Now, when they took him behind the building to shoot him, I did not watch that. I heard the gun go off, and I had to go hide and wipe tears because, you know, kids are tough. They want to appear to be tough. And I hid my face and wiped the tears and got it all choked up there and got my eyes dried out. And just like always, hog killing time. I was a kid, and they had the water hot, and after I dried my eyes up and went over there, time to start scraping. So, Porky was a good friend and a lot of entertainment why I had him, and, well, when we had to kill and slaughter him, you know, he done what he was supposed to. Animals have purposes, just like people do. God put them here for a reason, we use them. I thank the Lord for being able to eat, and that was, I was glad to have the company and glad, still glad to have the memories from the old hog named Porky. Another animal that's, you'll find him on about any farm, and in so many houses that are not farms, but, and he was not made to eat, in my opinion. That was a dog. He is a, another animal on the farm. Now, his purpose was for hunting sometimes, keeping varmints out, watch the dog, you know, somebody come around at night, the dog bark, give warning. A companion animal, something to talk to, you know. And there's thousands of breeds of dogs. and I'm a dog person. I really like dogs. We grew up with Coon dogs and some squirrel dogs, you know, blue ticks, walkers, black and tans, red tick, red bones. Squirrel dogs be a feist or a cur. So always a big fan of a cur dog. Always like a blue tick dog. Some they're stock dogs. People use like to herd their animals. German shepherds and not not German Shepherds for herding animals. I'm in Australian Shepherd or Border Collies. 
uh, blue healers, red healers. They're stock dogs. These people use them on the farm, but we didn't. But there's companion animals. And I was a kid, you know. Brother was too small to get out and play with and do all the things I wanted to do. And the first dog that I ever considered a friend, his name was Jed. He was a black mixed shepherd dog. Uh, medium to large size dog. Old Jed loved me. He'd follow me all over the farm. Had a good time with him. I had an uncle come over one day and he wasn't trying to hurt me. He just horse playing, wrestling with me. And old Jed liked to eat him up. So, you know, Jed liked me too. He is protecting me. And if you live out where you can have one and you got a youngin, it needs a dog. A lot of good memories made with kids and dogs. It'll teach the kids responsibility sometimes. You make them take care of the dog and tend to it and stuff like that. So I recommend being choicy about the dog. You don't want something to bite a kid, but get your kid a dog. Let them have a puppy. Might be a little mess here and there, and they might chew something up. But in the end, it's going to leave good memories for the young one. And it'll be good for the dog to have a friend. Now, another animal is around the farm, wasn't made to eat either, in my opinion, was cats. The cats, I used them to kill rats and mice and stuff around the barn, kind of kill them out of the feed room. And there'd usually be some kind of cat running around just for that. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the dogs just a second. My granny, same one that the cow kicked the stool out from under, this was up in her later years, and she just couldn't walk as good as she used to. But Granny, as long as she could, she did milk a cow, and she done her work. She enjoyed that. She had a Jersey cow, and that's about what she kept the Jersey all the time. I'd go over and stay at Granny's and Papa's on the weekends when I could, and I always enjoyed being with them. They're good people, and done good to raise all their kids and they'd always see after us grandkids and stuff too. But Granny had a little war-haired terrier type dog. She named it Tippy. Granny would go out to the barn early in the morning. They had a gap, not a gate, but a gap. And it was, it was made out of the wire where the fence was and they'd just nail a post to it, you know. And they'd pull it hand tight and they had a loop on the post, on the other post. And they'd stretch it out there and they'd stick it in the bottom loop on the post and then they'd drop that top loop over it and they'd open the gap. Granny, she'd go out there, that little dog, old Tippy. And I'd just walk with her, just something to do. I was Small kid, wasn't worth a lot on the farm, but I enjoyed being out there. She'd go open that gap and she'd just lay it back and leave it open. She'd say, come on, Tippy, let's go get the cow. So her and that little dog would head out through the field down below the old house, and it's a little swampy there in the low part, but the road through it was dry. We'd go out there and 
the cow's usually picking the grass there above the, the sinkhole. So Granny go down there and she just walk behind the cow and just start it back toward the house and the, toward the barn rather and the cow head toward the barn. Granny and the little dog head right back up through her with it so she can milk it when she get up there. Well, Granny and that little dog, Tippy, they had went after that cow so many times that Tippy had figured it out. Tippy didn't bark. She didn't cause no commotion or make a scene or nothing. And the cow picked up on it, too. You know, it seen Granny and that little dog coming. It just knowed it's time to go get its feed and get milked. But she done that, and after, after some time there, she could go out there and open that gate. She'd tell that little dog, she'd say, go get the cow, Tippy. That's all she'd say. And she liked her little dog, but she didn't love on him. She just let it follow her around, you know. That little dog would go out in the field, make a circle around that cow. And you wait just about five minutes, here'd come Tippy and the cow. The cow'd go in the stall, granny and milky. Tippy'd hang out till all the feeding and everything was done and granny'd go home and throw old Tippy some scraps. But that was a... That was a nice little memory of Tippy and the cow. Now, animal that I have not talked about yet, and I ain't going to get too far into it because I'm going to do a whole episode on them because I've spent a whole lot of time with horses and mules. And on the farm, a horse was a real important thing in a mule. You know, that's what they pulled their plows with. They'd pull their wagon with it. They'd pull sleds for hauling stuff, and they'd use them for transportation back in the day before automobiles was uh, common and popular. But that's how they plowed their gardens. It's how they harvested their crops with either a sled or a wagon, mule or horse pulling it. And people ride horses, mules to church, to the store to pick up supplies they needed and everything. But horses, mules, they done the work on the farm. Most of the other animals, other than dogs and cats, was used for food in some way or other. But a horse, he was used as an implement. He, he's what got the big work done. He could pull loads that men just couldn't. He was a big, strong animal and very, very handy. A horse was a necessity for a farmer. And that's all I'm going to touch on horses and mules, but we'll have a big episode on them, I'm satisfied, in the near future. There's a few animals that, I, that are farm animals that I've not mentioned, and the reason I done that's because I just wanted to talk about what's common around the farms that I grew up on. That'll kind of give you a little rundown on livestock and the way it's used in the Appalachians and well, about anywhere, but it happened for me in the Appalachians. And, you know, livestock, it was a very important thing and it's still a very important thing. Just people, a lot of people that live in cities and towns and stuff, they don't realize what goes into the work and everything and taking care of livestock. 
taking care of livestock's a job that's done every day. There's no taking a day off for it. Can't take a vacation from it. Most of the people, they'd work the fields and if they had a public job, they'd work that job Monday through Saturday. And Sunday they would take off from that job, but the farming and the feeding still went on. Had to take care of the livestock. Y'all, I hope you're enjoying the podcast and my stories and stuff and information that I've dug up here and there. Uh, be sure to check out my Facebook page. Give it a like. It's Appalachian Imagination. We have a TikTok page as well and plan on getting the Instagram up soon. If you'd like to contact us with story ideas or just to say hi, birthday announcements or anything like that, you can do so at AppalachianImagination at gmail.com, all lowercase, no spaces. Uh, my PayPal will be linked in the description, so if you want to contribute a little something to help keep this going, you're more than welcome to, but it's not required. We just hope you have fun and find some information useful. For birthdays this week, we'd like to wish a happy birthday to Melissa Abney. Her birthday will be March the 26th. And Brother James L.D. Abney, his birthday will be April the 1st. So if y'all see him, know him, wish him a happy birthday. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tune in next time for more excerpts from my Appalachian imagination. Until then, I wish you peace, love, and comfort throughout your lives. God bless.